0: Welcome to Fear hustle Podcast, another one of our hustle sessions, and we've got a special guest today.
1: He threw me off. I couldn't even say what episode this was. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've got to always say the this episode, This is episode you? 68, whoop, whoop. hustle session number three.
0: Yeah, hustle session number three, and this is an incredible guest. In fact, it's kind of an interesting turn of events here. It because, really is. Because the very first time we were ever on somebody else's show was on his show. So now we've come full circle and he's on our show, which is super awesome. Uh, So our guest today is none other than the amazing Wade from Wade's Venture.
2: What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for the invites. I do feel like it's been a crazy amount of time that's passed, but it still seems like yesterday that you guys were on my channel. So kudos to you over 60 of these podcasts. That's incredible. Yeah, well, kudos
1: to you too. Like you reached out to us. I mean, you are our only featured channel on our YouTube channel still. Yeah. Just you, Wade, all by yourself.
2: Uh, that that's actually that's that's that is amazing in itself. I uh, I had to have you guys on. I was I felt like it was like a, a gem in the rough, you know, and you guys had to be showcased to the world because it's incredible what you guys do for the community and and, and reselling in general. So uh, it, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and I've listened to a lot of the podcasts. You've had some extraordinary resellers on, so that's incredible. Yeah. Now we have you.
1: Yeah. Extraordinary reseller number three.
2: Yeah, so. I know.
0: It's super, it, it's super crazy. And you know, we think it's awesome that you're always sporting our gear. You've got your Pure podcast mm-hmm. shirt on, which uh, is super awesome. Do you, do you, I mean,
1: I feel like we need a Wade's Venture shirt we do we do We're, we haven't asked we you have two of our shirts so uh-huh. i feel like there's an uneven exchange happening here just a <laughs> little bit
2: yeah it's uh so the first pure hustle podcast for those that can't see me is uh you know the first shirt that I, that I received from you guys i had to i had to message them and be like hey it ripped really it did not rip i just wanted two shirts. <laughs> i probably should have just came out and said that but yeah it's uh uh, the honestly, you guys have the best t-shirts in town. Like pure, pure black. Love your guys' logo, and uh, I support it everywhere. I'm big fans.
0: Well, that, yeah, well, thanks. That's, that's crazy. We don't. That's, that's super humbling. We yeah. don't deserve that. But uh, but for all of our listeners who might not know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about who who who's Wade?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I was uh, I just started social media like a year and a half ago, two years ago, and um, it's changed my world, and we'll talk about that. But. Um, so I'm a full-time re- reseller. I sell on eBay and other platforms, and so I went full-time, left my 10-year corporate job back in April. So it's been a little over a year and a half that I've been full-time now. It's been incredible, and uh, so what I do is I I sell. I spend time with family, set my own hours, um, enjoy life. A uh, little stressful at times, but it's been amazing. And um, it's uh, it's one of those things where you know I feel like. You know, it, it seems like it's been forever, but really it's only been a year, a little over a year and a half that I've quit my corporate job. So that's what I'm doing right now. Selling online, social media, and uh, meeting amazing people like yourselves in person at eBay Open 2019. That was pretty and, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was amazing. All right, yep, so
0: <laughs> isn't that crazy that we live in this world where, where we can do that? We can resell. And that you can do so much on social media, like it's just bizarre. Like if you'd have told me five years ago that you could do this, I would have, i have laughed you, you know, out of the room.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's so crazy to me. It's like one of those things where you know I wish I would have been doing this five years ago. You know, even ten years ago, and um, it's changed my world in many ways in one. And it, you know, the people that you meet. Um, I think what it comes down to is the flexibility too. Is like mm-hmm. you know you do have a little flexibility with this, and it gives you opportunity to go on social media. And um, I have more friends on social media um, than I know in the flesh. So it's, it's incredible.
1: I can relate with that. That, that has happened yeah. since the podcast started. Yeah. that. well, I never thought of it that way.
2: When you guys are as famous as you are, I can imagine. No, no. I'm talking about
1: maybe five friends instead of two.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. No.
1: So wait, I, you know, So we'll get to the social media because you've had such a huge presence on social media, on YouTube, on Instagram and and other platforms, but reselling. So I want to know, when did you start? Like, was this something that you already had been doing during your corporate job? What led you to, you know, leave your corporate job and know that you can do this full time? Share with us that a little bit.
2: Yeah. So I've been reselling for about six years now. Um, You know, local. um, I've been selling a little bit on eBay for a while as a part-time gig. You know I've always felt like there's always it's there's always opportunity to grow in whatever you're doing and and with that, you know more streams of income for your family and friends and and that's kind of what I did as I started um, buying storage units and that was my passion. We'll talk about that and then I was like at the at, at the point of buying a few storage units, you realize that you have a lot of stuff that you need to sell um, because you'll be a hoarder very quickly if it just um, sticks around so I you know I bought a lot of storage units. Realized how am I going to get this get rid of this stuff, and um, then kind of started on eBay and and the rest is history. But really didn't take it seriously up until about three years ago. Um, that's kind of when I took it seriously and and really tried to make like an extra source of income. And uh, but you know that's kind of the idea was I bought all these storage units and then kind of turned to different platforms like eBay primarily to get rid of most of the most of the inventory.
1: Okay, so I got I have a question. So a lot of people start with you know, I went to the thrift store and I found something and, and I flipped and I was hooked or I went to the garage sale or, you know, on black Friday, I found something. So you're saying, you're saying you went to storage units. So was there an in-between or was it like you woke up one morning and said, after watching storage wars, I'm going to go buy a storage unit. Like how, how did that, how did that happen?
2: I'm a risk taker. Um, okay. you know, thank, thank goodness my beautiful wife is, is more stable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, uh, like most people, that's great. I, I did watch Storage Wars. I was, um, I was intrigued. I was like, man, I want to be a, a modern day pirate and I want to get all this gold and this crazy stuff that's in these units. Of course, that's not the reality mm-hmm. um, by far. But um, yeah, I, that's how I got into it. I bought my first unit. The worst unit I ever bought to date was that first unit. Um, but then after that, you know, as long as you stick with it for a few units... You're kind of there to stay at that point a lot of people they kind of fall off after the first couple but if you stick with it, um, you you can do some good stuff and, and I got some great stuff out of these units and um, with that you know I realized that I've got to sell some of this to recoup the money that I spent on the storage units. so it's very interesting. It's not like a normal thrift store or thrift hall and you know you want to make money that way it was it started with a passion to do something that had nothing to do with reselling and then um, that kind of was just just the next like flow. Um, you know, to, uh, to start my journey where I'm at today.
0: So when you first started doing the, the storage units, was it, you're wanting like that one item, that one thing that like you could take to a museum and sell. So mm-hmm. like, what was your plan with the rest of the stuff? Like, cause they don't show that on, on storage wars, wow. like what they do with all the junk. So like, what were, what were your plans with that? And then what do you, what do you do with all that stuff?
2: It's one of those things where it's as you go, you build relationships. So the vast majority you find in storage units is what it is. It's, you know, it's donatable slash trash that you find in these units, you know, you're really only keeping about 20%. Um, You know, and as you kind of go on and you build relationships and you buy a lot of storage units, you kind of get friends with people that may need different things. For example, if you buy a unit with a lot of furniture... I don't have room for furniture, but I know a couple of people have brick and mortars I can sell to them really cheaply. Get rid of that, and uh, they can sell, and I can make a little bit of capital. Um, You know, and then there's the 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 stuff that you sell on eBay, and and then there's also stuff that you sell local. I think that's underrated uh, to sell stuff you know out of your house and um, you know make money that isn't taxable, which is great. So um, I think local is really important. A lot of people kind of miss that boat, and especially now with like Facebook Marketplace, like. That never used to be here, you know, a few years back. So you've got that offer up, let go. I mean, the list goes on Craigslist, of course. Um, so that's kind of where you got to kind of like, you know, there's, there's slices of the pie and, and you do local a little bit of that. You do, you know, um, uh, you know, I do garage sales, I'll do garage sale videos and do a few of those a year. And uh, those are fun. You meet a crazy amount of cool people that come up to your house and hand you cash, which is great. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can get rid of this stuff.
1: So did you find the competition peaked and it's kind of calmed down? Because I remember I was going to get into storage units a few years ago, too. I wasn't as brave as you were, Wade. But uh, I remember going to a couple and seeing just all kinds of people, like all kinds of people and going, yep, I'm out. So was it like that for you when you came in or has it it does depend on your where you are geographically?
2: Uh-huh. Uh, you're actually correct. Like it really depends on where you're at. So I know where you guys are at and there, the competition is stiff. It is very okay. expensive to buy storage units there. You get a lot more people. Um, California is that weird state to where, um, anywhere at any time there's a storage auction going on and there's going to be a ton of people that are there. Right. Um, where Oregon it's completely different. You may get a core of like eight or nine people live um, and that's about it. And on and, and a really nice day, maybe a beautiful summer day, maybe up to the 15 or 20. But um, the competition is completely different. It really depends on where you're at. And I think a lot of facilities are actually going online now. So you can literally um, be at your house eating popcorn and spit on units now, which is fantastic. It kind of saves time. You don't have to waste time going out you know, to these live auctions and not get any unit. You can kind of pick and choose online. And spend your, your time there and if you find one great um, you can bid right online like storage treasures bid 13 locker fox um, all these websites you can go on and buy them lo- online now so um, and I, I think they tend to go for more money because more people have time to really sit there and soak it in where if you go live you know things move very quickly and you only have you know 30 seconds and then the, the auction's ending so um, it really depends on where you're at and I encourage everybody. Even if you don't want to buy one, if you just want to go and see what it's all about, grab some Starbucks coffee and bring the family, which you can. You don't need any special license and you can just observe and watch it all happen and unfold. So if you want to go live, so there's, there's, um, yeah, it really depends on where you're at. It's,
0: that sounds crazy. Like I, I can only imagine, cause I just went through a big move. I can only imagine moving is one of my least favorite things. And I feel like if you're buying storage units, it's almost like a move every weekend, right? Like, are you loading up a trailer and then like taking some to the dump and then unloading? Mm -hmm. Like, is it just you doing that? Do you hire some people to help you?
2: Well, it's it's (laughs) me. Um, Yeah, so it's, um, I call myself a glorified mover. I'm moving a box into the uh, storage, you know, out of the other unit, into my box truck, back to wherever I'm going to store it. And then I got to process it. I mean, I'm a glorified mover as a reseller. I think everybody can relate to that. Um, I, I, You have to put yourself in the best, best position to win when it's storage units. Um, so I own a box truck. If you don't own a vehicle, like a trailer or a truck or something to move this stuff in, it's going to be incredibly hard. Um, you can rent a, a Penske truck or a U-Haul truck. The problem with that though, is it, it eats into the bottom line, your cost, right? So that's why a lot of people, they try storage units and they realize it's not for them because it is a lot of work. It's not like you're getting Picassos and crazy stuff in there. And if you do, you know that's a very you know rare unit. So um, you've got to understand that it is a lot of work. It's physically demanding. It's even emotionally demanding when you go and you buy some units that are just very bad. And you realize, oh my gosh, what am I doing right now? I mean, I can tell you some stories. So... Um, there's a lot of different things that you've got to take in consideration. and I think the best thing to do is if you're if you're new and you're looking to get into this, I made incredible money. I continue to make incredible money, you can too, but just start small and maybe go to the auction, get a feel for it. Um, so you're not as nervous and get kind of a smaller five by five, which is kind of a small um, five foot by five foot unit and kind of get your feet wet before you really dive in because I see some people that just start and they buy three or four units. To start, and they realize, oh my gosh, you know, and you get overwhelmed, and you don't do it again. So,
1: okay, so I, I know we're delving into to the storage unit. We don't. There's not a lot of people that talk about storage. I mean, I know it's a thing right now on YouTube, but a lot of it is, well, this is what I found in the storage unit, or this is, you know, what this pallet had, and so on. But the pro, I'm more in, I'm interested in the process, right? So if you could summarize. What's the process look like? So you go, you bid, you win, and then what happens? And then how do you go from point A to you don't have that merchandise anymore unless it's listed? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, um, we storage unit buyers are basically the alt. They have the ultimate quote unquote death pile or money pile, money pile, however you want to, however you want to perceive uh, Yeah, um, people people sometimes don't like the death pile, or they they say it's a money pile, which that's great. Um, so basically, you bid on the unit. Um, you then pay for the unit, and um, you're going through the unit. Now, there's a lot of people that do different processes based on their situation. If they have room, um, if they don't have room, for example, if you have very little room to house this stuff, like somebody we know here who just bought a uh, a trailer and is doing their thing, um, you've got to go through the stuff in the in the the storage unit first, and kind of pick out what you want to keep to sell online. And then everything else, you either need to donate or go to the dump with. So that way you're not bringing home a bunch of boxes, right? Um, if you have room, if you have a warehouse, a lot of people will load it up and bring it to the warehouse and go through it there because you have you know, ample amount of space to go through everything. So it really depends on your situation. For me, I have a garage and I have something called HOA. So I can't be putting a bunch of stuff in front of my house, right? So it's very important for me as, as I'm going through the storage unit I um, kind of separate in my mind, okay, I can sell this local, I can sell this on eBay, maybe a little Amazon, and the rest is going to be donated. Um, what I really like to do is in my previous life, in my corporate life, I handled a lot of nonprofits. And I like to, I have a list of nonprofits that take certain stuff. And uh, so I'll instead of you know donating to Goodwill, I'll give it to those nonprofits. Um, kids, and you know, there's all kinds of nonprofits in Oregon that I can donate, you know, toys to and stuff. So, yeah, in your mind, you got to go through the unit, find out kind of what your situation is, and go from there. And um, you know, it's kind of a learning process when you buy your first one; you're all over the place because it's something new. But as you buy more and more, you realize that your process kind of fine tunes, and um, you get better and better at it. So,
0: I think that's amazing that you do the the nonprofit thing. I mean, um, I when we first met you, like we 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 first met on your show, right? And, you know, you can only know somebody so much. And then when we went to eBay Open, like we actually got to like hang out with you and talked with you and um, it became pretty obvious that you're like, you're a good guy. Like, my wife said that about you, which she doesn't say about a lot of people. She's just like, you know what? You
1: pass the Wade, test.
0: Wade is like a, like a genuine test. good guy. And I was like, he really is. So, it's really <laughs> impressive that you do that. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we could share with the, the the reselling community is there will be those times where you have items that you can't get rid of and instead of just you know, sending it to the local thrift store, which you know could be a good cause, but but you know, reach out and maybe find ways to connect with people around you and 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 help. Because yeah, sometimes you find scores, or maybe you're not in the in the market to buy, like you said, like a bunch of chairs, but maybe you know an organization that's looking for that kind of stuff, so you can kind of be that bridge.
2: Yeah, I think it's so uh, underutilizes. You got to realize, nonprofits—they know a lot of people, and they may actually. If you get in good with a nonprofit, I've found... I've done sourcing through nonprofits before mm-hmm. where they can't take certain stuff and they'll call me and see if I'm interested because they have so mm-hmm. many people that call them to see if they're interested, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's one of those things where it all boils down to being... you know, in, you know Creating those relationships where they're, they're over the phone or they're in person or they're through social media, uh, especially if you're full-time because you want to have multiple doors that can open at any time. Because uh, the biggest thing, obviously, is how are you going to source... Um, the products that you're going to sell to pe- to feed your family and to live, right? And um, so networking is really key. Nonprofits, they're a revolving door of people that go in and donate. And a lot of that stuff they can't take. Um, but they may know you and they can call you like they call me and say, Hey, we've got this crazy stuff here. Would you be interested? Or do you know another nonprofit that can take advantage? So...
1: Yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah, that's that that is a great tip. I I never would have thought that donating, like you said, and giving to a nonprofit would lead to more services. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's ever discussed that. That's a new one for me. So thanks, Wade. Yeah, yeah. that. So I'm guessing that your primary platform is eBay. Like, if you did percentages, what where would things land, and why?
2: That's a great question. So um it, it's it's funny as you're as you're a uh, you know I'm always changing my process. I've you know whether it be the way I source or the way I you know um store my items or whatever process you have within business is always going to change. Um eBay they're the love of my life right now. Um it used to be where um I was like, "You know what? I mean, we all have those moments, mm-hmm. right, where your phone's not dinging as much. And you're like, well, maybe I should go on another platform or try something. So I thought Amazon, I would kind of go that route a little bit. And um, I quickly realized that, you know, you've got to understand that the way you run your business is also the way that you want to live your life. And I just don't have time to travel from store to store and do retail arbitrage for Amazon right now with the kiddos being under three years old, both of them. So you've got to adjust the way you make money based on your lifestyle. And so then I kind of went and put a little more focus into eBay. I would say that uh, it's like seventy thirty. Well, I actually, let's say seventy twenty ten percent. So basically, seventy percent eBay, twenty percent would be uh, Poshmark, and ten percent would be Amazon.
1: Wow, nice. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you're big into Poshmark. That's a new one for me. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. I, I I think it's. It's very important to be on a few platforms or have not just be on a few platforms, but have the option to sell on multiple platforms because you just don't know. You know, remember we're playing in other people's sandbox, right? And that being said, they can go and they can knock your sandcastle down at any time. You've got to have money elsewhere. And so, yeah, I've got about eight hundred items on Poshmark now, and using the company list perfectly to transfer all my listings from Poshmark or sorry from eBay to Poshmark has been uh, invaluable. And now I'm going to start doing that for hard goods, which I find in the storage units using Lisp Perfectly to transfer everything from eBay to Macari, right? Since you can't do a lot of on Poshmark.
1: So are you and I'm just asking out of my own selfish intentions here. (laughs) Because I have been using Lisp perfectly and I've been moving stuff to Poshmark. But you know, if you look at my shares, it still says zero. And obviously, that's probably why I'm not converting to sales. So, mm-hmm. how you're you're super busy. And we'll talk about your busyness, which is a good busyness. Mm-hmm. How, do you share on your own? Do you have a VA? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you take care of that?
2: So, I'm gonna give all the parents. I'm gonna give all the parents that uh, saw on Poshmark a little uh, little tip here. Okay. So, when your kids are, I would say, around the age of six to ten, maybe twelve. You can do the posh sharing game where, hey, click <laughs> this button as much as you can, and then we'll have cake at the end of the night, you know, <laughs> or whatever the, the reward is, right? Um, my kids are not old enough, so unfortunately, um, I have I share. I've got my amazing mom who also helps me. Um, she helps with the business and also babysits and goes to storage units with me, so she does a little sharing. It's actually even Ashley, my amazing wife, has posh work my account on her phone. So when she has downtime, she'll share as well. So I think it's really important for me, like at the very beginning, I kind of wanted to do everything. And you got to understand that if you have people willing to help you, you've got to make sure that you're open to delegating different things, you know, and and because it's all in all of our best interests as a family. So yeah, I've got everybody that kind of does everything with uh, Poshmark and editing my YouTube videos. And, um, you know, I've got my amazing neighbor, Beth, who ships my packages when I went to eBay open. Oh, so it's really awesome. important to, yeah, to have those relationships.
0: Yeah. So that's a really cool thing that you, it, and it's even clear in your YouTube and in your, all the stuff that you do that your family is a big part of it. Like right? you're not just a solo seller. You're, you're you're incorporating everybody. You're incorporating your wife, you're incorporating your mom. You know, you, you talk about your kids all the time. So what is maybe some advice or suggestions you have for people who either are resellers with a family or are maybe a little timid to jump into reselling more because they're afraid that it's going to impact their family.
2: It can never impact your family negatively in the most cases because it's extra income for your family, but I do know a lot of people that don't have family supports, you know, their their spouses, you know, or or family don't support them reselling or the journey to go full time possibly. I feel like you've got to surround yourself with really positive people in this, and um, whether it's family or friends. and um, it's very important to me to have my family in it because especially the kids, even though they're super young, um, I want them to grow up understanding the value of a dollar and also more importantly, how you can make money outside of the conventional thinking. you know, you can take something that is perceived value is very little and sell it for a lot more. Uh, because it's valuable, right? So it's very important to me incorporate family. Plus, the biggest reason I do it, guys, is we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I say this a lot, you know, we, um, we don't know when that's going to happen, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if something did happen to me, I want my kiddos and my family to be able to watch these YouTube videos and uh, see how dad was. So uh, that's really important to me to incorporate as many, uh, many people in my life, not just family, but friends too. Um, you know, maybe I'll inspire them to sell online and they can afford that extra vacation. Whatever the case may be. um, And if you don't have family that support you, you know, and and I got to be honest, Ashley was on the fence. And one way, one little tip guys is the first thing you need to do is download the, if you trust them, of course, download the PayPal app on their phone. And when that thing starts dinging with money, (laughs) right, they're going to be on board very quickly. Okay. So
1: yeah that's a good point. that's a, yeah he'll train everybody to to be ready to sell all right. so yeah. so you are you you have your YouTube channel, which has grown substantially. I mean, you've put out quality content. I can't even catch up with all the videos you've put on there. it's it's so good. i you have interviews to storage units to you have inter i mean, it just it goes on and on and on, and it's incredible Wait, i i so my question is you got YouTube, you got your Instagram. you also have a Patreon group, right? You're still running that one too.
2: Yeah. And
1: you also, you resell, which is what we've been talking about. So talk to me about what, what does a seven day work week or seven day life week look like for Wade?
2: I, a little, a little understanding guys is, um, I, I get this all the time. Okay. We think when we lose, when we leave our corporate job or we leave whatever job we have and we go full time, we think we're going to gain time. It's actually the complete opposite. You leave a 40 hour job to work 80 hours as a business owner. Um, So it's very important to me though, is, um, to structure my day. Um, it used to be where I would basically do the shipping during the morning time and then kind of fill in everything else, YouTube. And I really was chaotic. And I think it's, it's really helped me to structure my day in the morning. I'm doing stuff that requires the most brain power because that's when you're the most fresh and doing the stuff at night that requires less brain power, like shipping and stuff like that. So I think the biggest thing, too is like understand what is bringing value and what is not. So I used to watch a lot of TV, I would spend way too much time on Instagram, way too much time on YouTube, and realize that once you find a few things that you can cut out, you really do um, have the opportunity to add more value, which is whatever, whatever that may be to you, you know, spending more time growing your social media, or spending more time listing a little bit more. Um, So for me, it was kind of take a step back, realize, okay, this is typically how my day is structured. What can I remove and what can I add uh, to get a little bit more efficient? And that's what I did. So my typical day is I'll wake up, I'm an early riser, um, kind of 6am, 6.30. I'll get to my warehouse, which is about 10 minutes away. I'll uh, do quick stuff, whether it be, you know, answer a few questions on Instagram or social media, try and get that out of the way really quick with my coffee. And then I'll start doing the stuff that actually makes me money during the prime time, prime hours. Just like if you're at a job, I treat this as a job and I'll do all the stuff that makes me money, which is list, take photos, cross post, do all that. Um, and then also more importantly, um, kind of right around lunchtime, I'll start answering you know, customer, uh, customer messages through eBay and different things. Also, what's helped me too is it used to be where I'd procrastinate and do the stuff that I did not like to do during the end of the day. Um, like, you know, unfortunately there's a lot that pops up in reselling that is not fun. And I tend to do that in the early morning to, you know, or noon time for me and get that out of the way. So kind of, I can cruise through my day without having to do those roadblocks.
1: That's really good. Cause I'm thinking of an yeah. Amazon shipment right now that I have not touched cause I keep waiting till the end of the night, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to get to it unless I hit it in the morning because it requires brain power. I got to test items. I got to pack it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. good, Wade. Yeah, we use. I'm gonna pr- apply this tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> we
0: we've talked about that before. There's this um, kind of popular theory about eat eat the frog, right? Like if you eat the frog first thing in the morning, then at least you know the rest of your day isn't gonna be worse than that,
2: you know? Yep, and it tastes like chicken.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, um, man, with your Instagram account, I've seen some pretty interesting things on there, including uh, y- y- you you kind of have like a flock of geese that are. Family, mm-hmm. also, right? Can you want explain mm-hmm. that a little bit? That's kind of an interesting, yeah. fun thing.
2: <laughs> they cost me they cost me about a hundred m- bucks a month feeding oh. those. but um, yeah, it's um I never used to be a bird person. um I, I love and I respect the outdoors. I teach my kids like don't pull leaves or branches, like respect the outdoors. Um, I love the outdoors, but um I didn't realize I'd be such a bird person. until I moved in. I bought this house brand new, beautiful big old african geese i mean these things are uh, really domesticated they act like they on the road in fact they'll sit in front of my uh, it, i have a private road they'll sit there i have to physically get out of my car to move them over uh, because if i drive up to them they'll continue to sit there i mean so um but yeah it's uh, it's been a fan favorite i get messages every single day where's the geese and if i don't post a insta story nice. with the geese or the ducks people are asking so um it's it's um it's just, it's really cool too to, you know, um, take a step back sometimes cause we're so like, you got to realize like, uh, the United States as a whole is like a very busy country, mm-hmm. you know? And sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's not like you go to Greece or, you know, something like that. And it's, they work like two hours a day here. It's, it's very important. You, you got to continue continuously go, 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 go. And sometimes it's take a nice, take a step back and kind of enjoy, you know, life. And that's how, that's what I do. Basically, I'll be out there with a glass of wine, throwing as much corn as I can, and they'll eat it quickly.
1: So is there are there times in the week where you're not doing anything reseller related outside accepting offers or is it pretty much because we talk about reselling a lifestyle like you can't really get away from it, but you can kind of limit it. So do you have certain days you choose or is it just when the time allows?
2: yeah we we always say that um as resellers part time full time doesn't matter you're like, well, I'm gonna spend this and do this and won't do any reselling and and the reality is is um it it, uh, it it kind of goes into your personal life a lot right like personal reselling is 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 very close um and you have to sometimes take a step back but realize also that it's okay if you accept an offer and you send a message during your personal hours, because it's, especially if you're full-time, you realize that they cross quite a bit because you're making your own time to do kind of what you want to do. So for me, I don't have a time that per se that I will not do any reselling. Um, I would say Sundays are probably my least, um, you know, effort put into my reselling business and um, social media. I I tend to spend a little bit more time with the kids on Sundays Um, at night. I'll uh, instead of being in the office, I'll actually go into the kids room, play with them and have my laptop there and work. So um, it really is kind of a, a fine line. And it's a balance that you'll get over time, especially if you're full time. You have these notions in your mind, you know, before you leave your job, what things are going to be like. Throw those out the door because I'm telling you, things change quickly. And they, um, you know, you just got to adjust to it and, and understand that it's, it's something that you're, you're going to grow. And um, with that, it's going to be change.
1: So, and I'm just getting real personal here. So you would say you have no regrets. Like, because I've thought, you know, when I jump full time, I kind of thought what you're saying, I thought I'd have a lot more time. And I would hear people saying, you know, I'd I'd rather work 80 weeks, you know, so I don't have to work for somebody for 40. I mean, I'd rather work 80 hours so I don't have to work for somebody for 40 hours. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, I actually said it on the podcast. I don't even remember, Mike. I said, I I don't want to live like that. But now... I'm kind of living like that a little bit mm-hmm. and I don't have any regrets leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of going, okay, will it slow down a little bit? And I think it will sometimes, you know, it ebbs and flows. So my mm-hmm. question to you is any regrets, any, would you have waited longer or is there no better time than now?
2: Man, I get this question a lot. That's Sorry. a, that's <laughs> actually a loaded, that's a loaded question. Loaded question. Um, that, so basically, I would be lying if there hadn't been probably five times I can count on all five fingers that I thought this was not for me, you know? And I can't tell you why I felt that in that time. Um, It's scary when you don't have a guaranteed paycheck coming through, you know, and you've got medical bills, especially folks that live in California and different States that are very expensive to live. And it's a scary thing to go full time. It's also very exciting, but scary at the same point. So um yeah there's been some times that I thought maybe this wasn't for me but then you know at the end of the day that's why it's really important to have really close relationships that can kind of ring you back and explain well this is exactly why you decided to go full time you know to spend more time with family or to grow a family or be there for your kids when they're younger right um and I didn't want to be that guy that worked corporate you know staring at a cubicle up until 5 or 6 and then wondering you know where the time went right and so that's kind of what happened was I was in love with my job. 10 years, I loved it. I thought I would retire with a beautiful 401k. Um, I thought I would spend another 10 years there. But you realize quickly that as you resell, and you enjoy the journey of buying and selling stuff, and just the freedom that it entails, you realize sitting in that cubicle that you're building somebody else's dream, right? And that's what happened to me. It Just one day, one crazy email, I realized it wasn't for me. And instead of leaving right away, I left a year later. So I think it's really important to be realistic as well. If you have a job and that's paying most of your bills, you need to make sure that your, you know, the other half, which is selling stuff, is going to be able to, you know, uh, do the same thing when you go full time. And some people don't want to go full time. You part timers that are listening, kudos to you. Like I got friends that love their job; will never leave and that resell. But it all goes to show that you've got to understand that. You know, if you are looking to go full time, try to stick at your job as much as you can, you know, and um, get debt free as much as you can because you realize, you know, it's a scary thought to, you know, it all depends on your sourcing, what you're picking up, what you're, how much money you're making. Like it's all on you when you leave. So um, you will have those times that you think you want to go back and you've got to have those friends to ring you back in and uh, let you know, hey, this is why you went full time and remind you why you did that. And for me, it's one video. It's three minutes long. It's the day I left my corporate job. I actually took it 20 feet away from my old office, and I took that video so that way, if I ever felt that I cannot handle this, I can go back and watch my face of how excited and scared I was at that point and realize I don't want to go back. So that's what I did. And I recommend everybody do that, whether you make that video private or public, so you can because emotions change constantly and you want to know what you were feeling you know, a year ago or two years ago when you went full time.
0: Yeah. And that's so cool. I mean, beyond just, I mean, everything you said as far as like the reality of the ups and downs, right? Which, you know, I think that that's not talked about enough. I think some people do kind of sell like a pipe dream, but I think even the idea of, um, of documenting the journey, right? Like we talk about it all the time and a lot of people do. And I like that you said like, you don't even have to make it public, right? Like it's great if you do, if you want to share things with other people, but, in our in our society today it's so easy to make a quick Instagram video it's so easy to to do something you don't have to be a YouTube star you could just make a little video on your phone and document the journey cuz yeah like you said your your kids might want to look back 10 20 years from now and say you know what was dad's story what did he do how did he do it and and it's all there and when you have those times where you're starting to question yourself you can kind of look back and say here's why I did so I think that's a great idea. Thank you
1: for that. It's so interesting, Wade, you brought that up. I actually shot one of those videos this past Q4. No one has seen it. I'm the only, well, I thought in 20 years, I'm going to play this. Mm-hmm. And I remember shooting it. I go, and I talked to the camera. I said, I'm recording this because I always want to remember why I left, why I will never go back. And no one will see this. And, and you know, I had my massive Q4 death piles. <laughs> and I go, this will all be worth it. So I never have to go back. And I totally get what you're saying, Wade. Totally
2: get it. I- there's one thing I wanted to do. I I regret doing not recently related, but I thought it'd be super cool is every night records as a daily, like, um, diary, if you will, to my kids, you know, like Mm -hmm. what they did today for them too. Right. Like they, they they threw their first basketball today or they walked their first time, you know, and I never did that. But to your point, um, I think that it's it's very important if you are camera shy or you don't even want to do social media, but you still want to document that with video um you can you can upload these videos and make them private so you and your family can watch it. you can even send the video to other people without making it public to your your family or friends so I think it's really cool to uh to be able to share yourself and then go back and watch it you know, and if you want later on to make it public, you can so
1: a great idea. What well, it reminds me of, I don't know if you ever heard of the idea of emailing your kids every day. So you just set up an email account and you just email them mm-hmm. and you don't, you never show it to them until you know, whenever you decide. Mm-hmm. Did you, 18, just some, your email address? Just something that to think about. just you. came across that. So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, so now that we're on social media, let's talk about it. I want to get back to storage units, but let's talk about social media a little bit because I, I really I, I enjoy what you do so much and. So tell us a little bit. Okay, share with us a little bit of what you're working on, and then tell us what are some of your favorites. Because I'm sure there's a tier. You don't have to tell us which is your favorite, but which do you enjoy more than others? I guess.
2: Yeah. So social media is crazy, Um, and and what I mean by crazy, it's 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 like changed my life. You know, um, in many ways. Um, I can't really convey that in in an hour, even two hours, but I'll try. Um, I, I first I joined Instagram. And my idea with Instagram was to grow Instagram. And it's not just grow up, but also like get an amazing amount of friends that I can help like maybe learn stuff from and also teach as well. And then also networking. So I started Instagram. And then uh, a few months later, I started YouTube. And I remember my first YouTube video. I, I don't know. I could, be, uh, I could be exaggerating here. It could be more than 30 takes for my first video, which was only 20 minutes long it's it's interesting i i I am actually a hermit like i am uh, i'm not used to the limelight um I used to get super nervous public speaking in fact, I didn't do much public speaking at all um you know it was um i i shied away from reading in front of people um you know i used to be i i, I wasn't an outspoken person, and then you know one day and i don't know i can't remember exactly what moment made me, but um I was like you know i it It's almost like intimidating, but not. It's a very easy way to get out of your shell when it comes to social media because you're not actually doing it in front of people you're i mean you are, but they're not in front of you you know and you're they're they're over the internet right They're on their phone, so it was an easy transition for me to start instagram and and then YouTube and then kind of get used to that and then that passion kind of like flew over to helping other people, and my idea was. I was running, what, three or 4,000 followers on YouTube. And I started doing interviews. And this was a way... Now, the people that went on as my interviews, and I've done over 100 interviews of people that didn't even have virtually no followers, right? So there was nothing for me to gain. But the reason I did that, they think it was for them. All reality, that was the beginning stages of my social media. And it was easy for me to put myself out there if I was talking with somebody else. Mm. So that was actually more so for me than it was them, but it did benefit them as well. So it was kind of one of those things where it was really cool for me to be able to do these interviews and talk to people. And I was less shy and less nervous because somebody was in front of me, you know, so and, and vice versa for them, too. They were just starting. So it was kind of a partnership that uh, made sense. And so I've done all these interviews and to help people then kind of get on social media and put themselves, themselves out there as well. I find that the biggest thing with social media, there's a lot of reasons why people don't try it. I'm too old. Well, the boat's already passed. You know, people, uh, there's already people out there doing it. I have nothing of value to say. I don't know anything. In all reality, that is, none of those are true. My mom, uh, she is amazing. I have her on my YouTube channel so I can remember her when she passes. Um, I think she's got more of my fan base than I do. People love her, right? I've seen and, her at the storage unit. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Age is not a thing. So if you're listening right now and you think that would hinder you, that's not the case. And if you feel that you have no value to provide, think again. Because you don't understand what the value you have until you actually put yourself out there. Because there's a lot of people that will gather nuggets and information from you without you even knowing. Because you, you already know it. So of course you're going to think that that's not valuable. But somebody that doesn't is going to hear that. So I think it's really important. And then the last thing, obviously, not to make this super long, but the last thing is for me, it was like the relationships building. There's nothing better than uh, meeting cool people and that, you know, over the internet, building that bond, that relationship, you know, peering into their lives. Like your guys' Instagram is one of the, the top Instagrams I have to watch before I go to bed. Right. And it's because it's flashy and it's what you pick up and I love watching it, but it's really important for me also is to like, I feel like I'm bonded with you. I have a little bit of piece of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's important also to put yourself out there because you'll, as a creator, you appreciate it more than just a consumer. Mm -hmm. Once you create content, um, your mind switches a little bit and you, the relationships mean different things for you. And for me, um, it's, it's ideas, it's inspiration to see other people. So anyways, um, if you're thinking about social media and he, you have not yet, um, whether, whatever platform it is, Instagram, YouTube, you know, Pinterest doesn't matter, put yourself out there and uh, you never know where it'll we'll lead. You have no idea. Um, there's a, if you Google how to pour concrete, the guy has one video, but it got 3 million views on YouTube. Yeah. He's a star. Yeah. Who would have thought?
1: Well, I remember when we first talked it was be, before the interview. You you had talked about how the reselling community seems it's large, but it's not. It's actually you know super contained. And I remember you, you're like, hey, I can connect you with this person and this person. And Mike and I looked at each other and go, what? Like really? This is this is kind of weird. Like this is strange. And I remember at that time we didn't even have a hundred subscribers. Yeah. No. I mean we 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 were happy when we had a hundred listens like in the first week on our podcast. I mean, that was like celebration time for us. (laughs) And I, I completely agree with what you're saying because the social media, not only do you end up putting yourself out there, but you, I feel like the reselling community embraces you, Mm -hmm. right? When we went to eBay open, I mean, we, we never met face to face, but you were joking with us in that hallway Mm -hmm. as if we had known each other for years, Mm -hmm. which was kind of surreal, but that's how it is.
2: It, Like I say this a lot, but there's, there's many people in many States that I can go to and have Thanksgiving dinner with, right. Without even meeting them. Um, And that's why that's what I call eBay open is my Thanksgiving Mm 2.0, right. You have all the drinks, all the food and all the amazing people there. So um, yeah, it's um, you know, you guys had no idea that you'd blow up the way you did. And um, that just goes to show. And I think the biggest thing too, is you have to be, have to try to be yourself and be authentic in, in whatever you do and be sincere and people will follow you um, just like if you put an item out for eBay if i sold my phone on eBay it's going in front of millions and millions of potential buyers same thing with social media if you put a video out there there's millions and millions of people but there's a part of the that there's a slice of that pie that will watch you for you mm-hmm. and whatever you're doing right so you're 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 putting a, a video out there with a large net of viewers and um not just to gain a following, I mean growing's great, but to you know build those bridges to people that you may have commonality with. So it's it's been incredible.
0: We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Yeah. So beyond social media, going back a little bit to the the storage unit, yeah, we
1: still want to know more.
0: Yeah, we want to know more but we want to know more. um I'm interested because I, I just can't get the storage thing out of my mind. Cause for me, it's the same thing. Like when I, I remember watching storage wars and it's like, you live almost vicariously through those people, right? Like it's when they get the big find, you get the big find with them, right? You're like watching and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they got that. Or like when they fail really hard, you like, you feel so terrible for them. So like, what were some of like, your really like, what's your best find? And then like maybe share that worst, that very first one that you got, that was just like terrible.
2: Well, um, I'll live on the podcast, can I unveil something that I have not ever said before? That's something that's coming up on social media?
0: I would love that. That would be amazing. You guys ready? Yeah, we're ready.
2: Okay. <laughs> so you guys all know what Secret Santa is, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. I'm doing the same thing with storage units and I'm working with um, some other creators right now. We haven't done this. I, mean, I actually have never even said this even on my channel that we're doing this yet. So we're doing secret storage. I create the, I thought of this idea at eBay Open where I you have a $250 cap. And, I buy, and you give me your zip code, I buy you a storage unit, and you buy me a storage unit, and you don't know what's in there until oh, you show cool. up. The
0: storage unit, nice.
2: Right? And you film it, and then we put it on YouTube. So we're going to do something like that, which is really cool. But uh, yeah, so I, I, um, my best storage unit, um, un- regrettably, was not on YouTube. I've done hundreds of storage units before I started YouTube because you just didn't, I, I didn't put two to two together because I didn't watch a lot of YouTube content. So when you're doing it, you just didn't think about it. But, um, it was, a it was an ex Nike director. He worked for Nike and he worked in the eighties and nineties for Nike. And he had two units. I paid $700 for both combined. And, um, it was boxes and boxes of blue tag and red. Oh. red yeah. Um, blue I tag. I remember this, but keep yeah. telling us. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was incredible. I don't know. It was kind of, there was only eight people there that day. And, um, I, you know, just got lucky. And so there was a bunch of, it was very weird. There was a bunch of food. And typically when you see like cans of food and stuff, you kind of stay away from those units. Mm. Um, but I did see, um, nor, I saw boxes that had business uh, writing on it. Right. And typically that's a great sign. It's a business that goes out of business because it's not just people, it's businesses that go out of business too. So I thought, well, you know, it'd be interesting. Let's try this. Um, another thing too, is I did Google the name, because it's public knowledge it who's using and and before we go any further, it is sad when people lose storage units, guys. I, you know, it's it's sad, but there's many reasons why they lose storage units. They could have passed away, you know. Of course, there's the bill that they didn't pay. They could have got incarcerated. A lot of times they move to different states, and and what happens when you move to a different state? You change your phone number and your address, and they can't get a hold of you, right? So there's a lot of ways that you can lose storage units. Um, but yeah, so I've got this guy's unit, um, and it. You know, it was a massive unit, bunch of food, and but some, some boxes and those boxes were full and they were all brand new sealed. And I still have about six or 700 items on my eBay store now from that locker. Wow. So
1: you um, already, you've already yeah. made your money back in more though.
2: Yeah, I made probably about forty thousand on that unit. I think that when it's all said and done, probably right around seventy or eighty thousand.
1: Wow, so, that yeah. is incredible. That's yeah. a st- that that should be on storage board. Like, I I get it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I went through the same thing. I mean, before we did the podcast, I had my biggest scores, and now that we're doing the podcast, I'm like, where are those big scores Tridgets. again? Right? <laughs> what, what, <laughs> yeah. what happened?
2: Yeah, it's um, you know, it's one of those things too. Like, it was it was just a ran a day. I was in the right spot at the right time. And it was in a facility that wasn't great and and not even in a great area. Um, so it goes to show that sometimes when you're not looking for something, that's when it happens and you just got to be ready when it does.
1: Wow. All right. So what was it? What's another one? I want to hear, I want to hear more. So,
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, I've got some pretty, some pretty gnarly ones. Um,
1: (laughs) we're here to listen.
2: Yeah, we're here. (laughs) Um, so I've got, um, when I, my first unit that I ever bought was the worst one. It was just a boring storage unit. Um, it had no value in it. It was all scrap metal, and uh, you know, power tools that weren't even working. I don't know what happened. My when you when you're a new storage unit buyer, you realize your hand just kind of sticks up and it never goes down because you're so anxious to buy one and actually say that you bought a storage unit. Patience is key, and that's one of the things I struggled with early on. Uh, but one of my worst ones was this one that I thought had a bunch of 70s and 80s stuff in it. It um, it was all, looking back at it, it was a great unit before I went into it. Like it had like old boxes and a lot of dust and, you know, everything was like that the boxes were, you know, old and the sides were crinkling over, but they were still stacked nicely. Um, and then we got into the unit. It was all food, um, nasty food in these boxes. There was rats in there. Um, there was feces everywhere from those. Um, it was a very gnarly unit. And, um, my mom was in there. She was gagging and, and Ugh. having a hard time with it. It was not, to, we're staying PG here. And I think that, that it was just, I mean, I've had some pretty crazy units and that was one of them. We, I don't even think we salvaged a box of stuff in there Ugh. and it was a massive unit. It was, it was terrible. It was an outdoor unit, of course. So yeah, but they're not all gold guys. Sometimes yeah. when you buy them you just don't know. I mean it is a gamble, right? But it's a it's a fun modern day treasure hunt gamble for me at least.
1: So one thing I always wonder to me this is just part of my conspiracy theory. So do storage unit like the people that run it is there ever a chance that they'll go into the units before you get there? Or is that is there some laws or is it by state like I'm totally ignorant about this.
2: Yeah, so um that's a great question because I would say 10, 15 years ago, you had a lot of that happen all the time, right? Okay. And then they kind of tried to mitigate that because they a lot of these facilities got into lawsuits uh, because there was stuff that was stolen out of there, or taken out of there before the, the auction happened. And so now what you'll find is a lot of auction, um, big corporate companies will have one person open the door and another person there to make sure that, you know, um, and, and that, that locks the door and puts the red, you know, lock on it. Two people, they're kind of a buddy system because the likelihood of both of them taking something out of the unit was slimmer than one person, right? Okay. Um, I, I still think that that happens, but probably more like mom and pop or privately owned storage facilities. Um, I, that's why I think it's really important when you first start out too is realize what facility you're buying from. For me, I like to buy from big corporate companies because I feel like there's less of that you know, going on than if you were to go like, to a mom and, prop, mom and pop or privately owned place. Um, but you, it's one of those things where it's kind of like your eBay business. You know, you don't want to base your business around the possibility of somebody trying to, you know, pull a fast one on you with a return, you know, um, same thing with storage units. You just gotta, it's a numbers game. You know, you've got to buy X amount to get that really good one, but man, do they pay off when you get those good ones? You get a lot of merchandise. That's great because a lot of times people will, what they'll collect a lot of something, right? Mm. And so that's why storage units are so crazy good because like that guy was a Nike collector and he worked for Nike. He collected a lot of Nike. So when you bought it, you got a lot of something that was really good. And so, man, it is amazing. Um, it is amazing. I, I, and it's like one of those things where kind of like at the Goodwill bins. I don't know if everybody's familiar with that. But when you go there, you're intimidated. Those people, they rush in there and jump in those bins, right? Those big old blue bins. It's intense. And that's why I tell people, force yourself to go like four or five times you know? And then once you get comfortable with it, you are a master and you'll go, you'll keep going and you'll find something good. Well, you found,
1: I mean, I, it's one of the videos I thought was funny. was when you guys found that lottery ticket. Oh
2: yes. Okay. So, oh yeah.
1: but that, you know, again, that's, that's super rare, like ultra rare. Yeah. Like I have I don't yeah. think I've met anybody that's found a lottery ticket somewhere.
0: I haven't heard this yeah. story. How, how, how big was the lottery ticket for?
2: It was, was like, like a uh, I, or? It, it, it was like 2,300 and something. Um, yeah, um,
0: that's not shabby.
2: Yeah. You, you get all kinds, you get, man, you get gift cards, you know, you'll get gift cards in there. I've heard some pretty crazy stories with storage units, you know, and it, it, they happen all the time. I mean, you gotta understand that, you know, um, people think that they don't like, and the the weird thing is, is people think that storage unit facilities are more for people that don't have space, the vast majority. And I can't remember the exact amount, but, the vast majority of storage units are actually people that have garages and houses. Hmm. They're just overflowing with merchandise. Oh, wow. Uh, that means it's, it's good merchandise. Stuff. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, and like I said, it's, um, it's a numbers game. So you've got to get familiar with it and buy a few, but after you get past that, like initial few, because it is, like I said, it's physically physical in there. You got to go in there and lift boxes and, and clean and, and, you know, put stuff, you're loading stuff into your truck or your box truck. So it's physically and emotionally demanding because if you do a big unit and you spend all day doing that, it is tough. And then you got to go home and sort it and clean it and prep it and list it. I mean, it's a big process.
1: So has there ever been stuff that you just cannot give away or sell? Like are there, I, if you want to share, I mean, have there, you know, Mike and I well, go back and forth about hoarding, but I could well, see home. myself hoarding a lot with storage units. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> what do you have? Yeah.
2: Just don't bring your wife or your husband. Okay. <laughs> if you're doing it, um, because you don't have one person, you have two people that are like, Oh, I love this. I love Ashley, my beautiful wife. And even my mom was a hoarder for a while. She made this statement a month ago she, before we had our garage sale. And I was like, what are you doing? You're getting rid of a lot of stuff. She goes, she, she was so attached to all this because we found it in units. But then after you kind of purge yourself from all that inventory, you feel, you feel great because you are a hoarder when you buy storage units. Cause you want to keep a lot. Um, I, you know, there's some clothes that I'll keep. I've kept paintings, um, a lot of like star Wars toys. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, um, Ashley, she loves Disney. So yeah. she'll keep a lot of Disney stuff. I mean, the list goes on. Um, it, and it, it, it it, the funny thing, too, is like you'll find a lot of household stuff in there, too, like unopens, like, um, you know, uh, unopened household cleaning supplies. I mean, there's a lot of things that you find in there that you can use. Yeah, hey, I could use this, you know, yeah, to save money as well. So
1: so you, you would say it doesn't the abundance in the storage units. Now, again, they're not all winners, but the yeah. abundance is e- enough that if you hold on to a few, it's not going to cut into your bottom line. I mean, it will, but it's not going to substantially cut into it.
2: I honestly feel, and this is the bottom of my heart, like it's almost impossible to lose on a storage unit. Almost impossible yeah. unless you're spending a ton of money. Now, of course, this probably depends on where you're at because if you're in California, a California unit that costs a thousand would only cost like three hundred in Oregon. Okay. So realize where you're at, right? But you get there's so much stuff in one little area that you, um, you know, like a five by five. Yeah, it's five feet by five feet, but. You got to think it can go up 10 feet too. Like there's a lot of stuff that people can fit in these storage units. And so it's kind of hard to lose because there's just so many opportunity to sell, right? Right.
1: That is, yeah. That I mean, that that is something I've not heard. I, I usually hear, I've heard other people say that it's, and again, people try to do misinformation too, right? <laughs> but I think storage, it's kind of like anything in reselling, like people get after you and after us, you know, you're killing the market, you're saturating things, you're sharing all this, but you really have to get out there and you really have to put in the work. So I'm not super concerned. So that's good to hear.
2: Yeah. It. A lot of people, they don't realize that like, they they see the glitz and the glamour. But when they actually buy the unit, they don't realize how much work is involved. Right. So um, and then at that point, they quit and they just do one unit. So you got to understand there's a lot of work when it comes to, um, you know, doing storage units. There's a lot of lifting, a lot of work in general. And um, so you've got to get past that. And a lot of people don't.
0: That's crazy. That's awesome. Um, would you say that storage because that, that's obviously your first love, right? Like doing the storage mm-hmm. units. Is it still like, or have you found other parts of reselling that maybe get you more inspired or encouraged? Or is it still the storage?
2: You you see these fingers over here. They're, they're real meaty. And it's because I go to the, the thrift stores and I'm constantly shifting those hangers. Right. I love thrifting. Uh-huh. I love selling. Um, I, the storage units are great because you know, you, it is a treasure hunt. You're going through these boxes that you have no idea what's in there. And sometimes it's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, the love of thrifting, garage selling, bartering, um, the one beautiful thing about uh, the one bad thing about storage units is you're not interacting with people. Garage sales, you are right. So you're interacting with folks. So there's just a lot of cool things that are involved with thrifting and garage selling and different things. And that's my love is definitely storage units, but I love going to thrift stores and Goodwills and Salvation Armies and, and all those places.
1: All right. So now you have all the stuff. You have your warehouse now. I remember before you didn't have the warehouse. Is Number one, is your house clear of any inventory? <laughs> and number two, did you see a major change once you shifted to using a warehouse?
2: Oh, my gosh. In many ways than one. Okay. Um, so first, I can actually have guests now. I mean, you can't notice now, right? Because there's a lot of toys in the background, but I used to stuff clothes under the couches when people were come over, right? Um, hide this merchandise any way you can. Um, so yes, if I do, I don't recommend people, um, you know, gather more monthly bills. You know, you got to keep your overhead extremely low, not just in this business, but any business. Um, but it changed my world when I got a warehouse because it, it's one thing to, you know, have your inventory close to you. And a lot of people say, well, I love going to my garage. Hey, that's great if you can keep the inventory in your garage, right? But um, you need to be able to live and separate your business with your personal because I tell you what, it was taxing, you know, walking in my house and finding inventory everywhere and and understanding and realizing, oh crap, I got to get that listed. It's been there for a year, right? Mm. Um, So to separate business with personal was invaluable to me. Um, so now I can come to the house. Yeah, I got a few things here and there, but the vast majority is at the warehouse and the lifestyle. I feel like I'm more productive as well. Um, you know, having everything in one area as opposed to having it all over the house and, you know, the garage and everywhere else. So if you can separate that early on, cause it'll, it'll, it'll change your world. If you can't because of bills and, and the amount of money you have to you know put out for a place or a warehouse or a storage unit, um, then just do your best. And, and, and realize that in the future that could be a possibility. And and I think the biggest thing too is don't look just in the in the present, but also think, what is my business going to look like in six months to a year from now? And if that you know vision is to get a warehouse, then work towards that because it does change your life. <laughs> to separate it.
1: No, I get. I mean, I have a storage unit, but I still it's it's the worst feeling when you mm-hmm. constantly have inventory around. You feel like you never yeah. escape. You never feel like a are home. I can't think of the last time I've had people over. It's been a little bit. So, so I get that.
2: And, and, and your spouse, right? They're, they're happy when you can separate that too, especially if they're not resellers.
1: So. No,
0: yeah, for sure. Because it, it, it definitely will take over and consume your house, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I, it, it like spreads. It's like a, a virus. Oh it just spreads yeah. throughout your house.
1: Well, the worst yeah. is when it's out of sight, you don't feel like it's there. And so you just bring in more. That's been my so like my kitchen my kitchen cupboards I have all this like uh, used electronics on the top, and I just keep stacking more up there, and I'm like this is terrible like that and I look terrible. and it's so overwhelming like I look at it and I go I should take this down uh, you know I'll do it tomorrow it's been about a so, year so
0: like when you open up your cabinet you got like your cups and like a VCR
1: oh no like- that that's different I have like Disney figurines here <laughs> I have who knows what's there so I totally get that Wade
2: so tell hey, me oh go ahead that I, I got this crazy like image of just a bunch of electronics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no, I, it's no joke. I got like old Bose docs. I got random. It's just it's terrible. Like, I, and I've been working on clearing that all out because you know I gotta have a life again. So you know, anyway, it's not about me. It's about you, Wade. So tell me, okay, you've shared a little bit. So family is probably it seems like the most. I would say enjoyable part of what you do. What else do you enjoy? I mean, you got the treasure hunt. That's an obvious, is there other things you like about reselling?
2: Well, um, it all kind of is one big conglomerate, right? I think that's, um, you know, the the beautiful thing about reselling is you can kind of separate yourself and do different things that you enjoy and then move on to something else that doesn't bore you. Like for example, um, I, I love, um, I love reselling, but I also love, you know, um, creating relationships on social media. I also love the business aspect of it, growing my own business, uh, and seeing where that can lead. And that's, you know, I get that that's reselling, but it's also a little bit separate too, because, you know, reselling is just, it's, it's the foundation, but you can branch off, you know, in different places. Like I'm considering on actually moving into a brick and mortar and having the first half Mm -hmm. walk in and the second half online and kind of a smaller location. So, um, there's a lot of things that excite me. For example, um, I just launched ventures kids, which is a, yeah, which is a YouTube channel for the kids. And, um, it is, the banner is beautiful and it's all I can say is like, I love my YouTube channel. I love the people that watch me, but it's, it's almost like a new excitement that I'm having recently of like starting something that branched off from reselling but now is is incorporating my kids into something that they can grow and a brand that they can grow right so it's just it's been incredible to like understand like okay this is the path i'm on but like i can go right or left and still be like you know emerged in reselling which is what i enjoy so um yeah i love every aspect of it i'm primarily though the networking and meeting people and seeing what they do. And I'm a people person now. I never used to be, for example, I used to be really you know shy and and um, kind of, kind of converted, but now I, I really like to meet people. I like to kind of see what they're doing and then that's a big portion of my reselling and the journey that I'm on. So.
0: Oh, that's super cool. Um, so I got a, uh, maybe an interesting question for you here. So um, I, I'm a teacher and so I get to, um, you know, educate the youth as it were right and and one of the things i like to do with that is i always i find like it's my responsibility or maybe it's my privilege i should say Mm -hmm. to try and impart wisdom right like try and give Mm -hmm. them some life lessons that maybe isn't necessarily connected to the content that i'm teaching but if you could if you had the opportunity to like tell somebody it could be young person older person but whoever to tell somebody some life lessons something like maybe maybe like one thing like this one piece of advice, like follow this and this will change your life. What do you think that would be?
2: Wow. It's hard to do just one We got um, some
1: loaded questions, Mike.
2: <laughs> wow. That was a great question. Um, and, and everybody that's listening think of that yourself. Like, what would you do too? Um, man, um, there's a, there's a, like three things that I would have done actually. Okay. Um, and, and, the funny thing is, is when you're young, you know, and you get these, you get this question or you get the, you know, you get people that are helping you out. You never take it to heart because you feel like you're going to live forever. And I realize how fast time is flying. Um, I think the one thing that held me back when I was younger and even now to this day is patience and um, like understanding that like you may want to go somewhere, but it, you're not going to get there overnight. It mm-hmm. takes time, right? And patience is a big thing. Also, like when you fall down, you got to get yourself back up. And so I think that's, you know, a lot of times when you fall down, you you kind of hold up a hand and you're waiting for somebody to pull you up. And, and I want to teach my kids, like when you fall down, brush yourself off and get yourself up, you know. And um, but, yeah, patience um, is one thing that I think was was for me was something that I struggled with early on, I wanted to get somewhere really quick. And by doing that, you miss a lot of like paths to get there the right way, not just the quick way. So patience would be the big thing. And, um, and then when you realize that, I think we're taught like that failure is not good. And for me, I actually think that that's actually the, not the, not the correct way of thinking is, you know, you're going to fall, fail many times, and with that, it's, it's tuition. It's, it's learning from that. And then, you know, diverting to a different direction and, and trying something new is, is really important. So I'm okay with failure. Like I know I'm going to fail. Uh, I have tremendously in different areas. Um, I've done a couple businesses that didn't work out, a couple ideas that didn't work out. And so you just got to continue on and, and live life and, and realize that that's going to be a part of it. So for my kids, I want to, I want them to know, like, it's okay to to fail, you just got to learn from that, and that's the most important thing: is learn from that mistake and kind of move forward. Easier said than done.
1: Oh, agreed, agreed. All right, so going from failures to success now. <laughs> so, I, so I, I got to tell you, wait. So, when you first started, you had a, I think when you had us on your show, you had about three to four thousand subscribers. Am I am I off on that, or is that kind of where you were?
2: Uh, probably right around there. It
1: was right, and you're about forty yeah. something right now.
2: Uh, I, I, so I just hit 42,000,
1: 42,000 congratulations. Yeah. And on Instagram, I, I remember looking at your Instagram and going, okay, can we ever catch up to where Wade was at <laughs> in a year? Could we like, cause I tracked it, right? I, I saw you started in April mm-hmm. and when you interviewed us, I'm like, okay, what does it take? Cause it's work. And then on top of that, you have your reselling, which is work. I think you've been very yeah. clear about its patience to build, you know, with storage units, you expedite it because you get a lot of inventory, but there's still the processing. There's still the listing. There's all that. So my question to you is what are a few best practices you believe allowed you to get where you're at right now on, on, on all ends on the social media. And you've covered some of that. So we can, you know, you don't have to cover all of it. And then on the reselling side, just things that, you know, you have people that are, there's some brand new that they just need to figure things out. And then there's kind of those, In between. Like I feel like I'm an in-between guy. Like I'm not where I want to be, but I'm learning from people like you and others going, okay, what are some best practices I can do to kind of boost my business to next level? What what are your thoughts?
2: Well, we'll start with social media. Um so I guess we can do a couple for Instagram, a couple for YouTube. For for Instagram, um, you know, it used to be where you know if you did um, video on Instagram, that was the way to gain subscribers or excuse me followers, but now it's just a picture, a really beautiful picture of kind of what you're doing. If you're a reseller, maybe the setup that you use or your, your money pile right? Um, I think the best thing that made me successful on Instagram was consistency. So in Instagram, you actually can sign up for the business Instagram and it's completely free and it will allow you these analytics, which shows the vast majority. Of when your audience is actually watching your content. And then once you find that out, it's completely free information. Then at that, at that point, being consistent and posting one post at least per day of kind of your journey, just like you would on YouTube with video, do that with a picture on Instagram and be consistent about that. Um, but with that post, it's very important to engage your audience. So every time that I post something on Instagram, the vast majority, I'll ask a question along with my statement. Um, and that that invites people then to leave comments, which does two things. One, it boosts your your post, but more importantly, it also creates relationships. So those people will continuously uh, comment on your content. So when you post something, be consistent about it, and when you post it, ask a question along with kind of what you're doing, and uh, and then engage people within that community because it's completely separate. Instagram is completely separate than any other social media platform. Um, but it's also the fastest growing guys. Instagram is the fastest growing social media platform right now. And so I think it's really important. I even got the kids on there. Nice. Um, so that being said, that's for Instagram for YouTube. Um, that's a whole nother animal entirely. Um, YouTube, you got to understand that people realize that you, yes, you have the opportunity to grow fast because you're only one video away from that boosting and mm-hmm. and going viral and getting all these followers. But I think YouTube is, there's so many ways you can grow it. You got to think outside the box. I think that's my biggest tip. And what I mean by that, and I know it sounds simple, but everybody's doing haul videos. And if that's what you want to do, great, right? Do what you want to do on on YouTube. And I think one of my biggest tips is do what you want to do. Because if you're doing videos that you think other people want to do, you're either going to lose interest or you're not going to put all your heart into it because you're not into that, right? So if you like haul videos, do haul videos, but also think outside the box. Like I think an underutilized uh, type of video is actually Google searching experts in your area, whether they're coin experts or, you know, card experts or car experts, and actually asking them if you can film their business and they get free publicity and the audience that watches you is going to learn kind of like an antique roadshow type of thing. Hmm. I I don't think that's done. And it doesn't cost anything. That's the most beautiful thing. You just contact a business. If there's an expert in that field, say, Hey, I've got a YouTube channel. People would love to learn about these antique cars. Can I go and film you? And you can kind of talk a little bit about it and then upload it. And and you get a video, you're growing your audience, and um, people can enjoy watching it and they can learn from you. So there's so many different ways that you can grow YouTube. Um, It just takes time because you'll realize that if you watch any YouTuber's videos at the very beginning... They are very raw. And then if you watch them now, they've kind of fine-tuned the way they talk. You know, they, they, their content's better. Their editing is better. Um, you do not need to go and buy all this expensive camera equipment. Literally, just um, use your phone, use your laptop, um, use different things. Keep your costs as low as possible. Make sure it's a, it's a concept that you want to do. Um, and, and realize that once you start doing it and you get better, then you can invest a little bit into equipment and uh, go from there. But just think outside the box, um, do different things. And, um, and I'm telling you right now, like I said earlier in the podcast, it doesn't matter who you are. If you have, you know, if you have green skin or yellow skin or whatever, right. It doesn't matter where you come from, what, you know, um, just put content out there, whether it's public or private, and, um, it will change your world, just meeting people and networking. And, and it's kind of liberating too. Um, for me, it was, you know, putting myself out there, you know, it was kind of liberating for me. I just like for all my life, I was that kid that didn't want to do speeches, that didn't want to be in front of people, um, that was really scared and timid to do that. And then to put myself out there it kind of made me like a better person. And um, you know, I realized that I didn't let fear rule it. It was just, you know, it was me and people like me. They like me. If they didn't, they didn't subscribe. It's easy as that.
1: And I, I just want to stop there for a moment because we all the time we get DMs like, Hey, can you give us a shout out? I'm trying to sell merchandise on my Instagram or I'm trying to, Hey, can you direct traffic to my Instagram? So I'm trying to make sales. And what you said is so key because just putting items out there isn't going to be enough. You know, you have to drive people, you have to provide value, you have to engage people, you have to establish the community. So if you're, I just want to say those to those listeners out there that are listening and you develop your Instagram purely to make sales, you're going to have to provide the value, not just the merchandise. And then you get to a certain plateau where you can now say, Hey, I found this, you know, you've had this happen. Wait, I'm sure. Where you come, you have something in your IG story and somebody asks you about it and goes, Hey, can I buy that off of you? Have you had any of that happen yet?
2: Oh, constantly, constantly. And then, and and think of like, yeah, think of Instagram as a way that uh, ultimately we're running a business, whether you're part-time or full-time, you need to make income for your family and friends. And so, but more importantly, understand that you've got to give value and you can't monetize too early. So when you're just starting out on what other platform you are, put your heart and soul into it and your process, teach people your process. But more importantly, you're you're not just teaching people, you're going to learn too, because then you create those relationships and you see what they're doing and you learn from them. So it's kind of a give and take situation. And then every once in a while, yeah, you can um, better your business and sell things. Like For example... I forgot to mention this, but if you're thinking about doing storage units, it is imperative that you put yourself on the internet, that you put yourself on YouTube. Because what happens is as you're going through the unit, we don't all know everything. Like I miss a lot. And I miss so much opportunity and so much profit and so much money by not filming my earlier storage units. Because as you film it, people will tell you, hey, this is what this is worth. Go check it out. There's been so many times and so, when I do a unit now, I put it up on YouTube right away so people can watch it and they can teach me on some stuff that maybe I don't know a lot about. And uh, so that way I don't miss value. The same thing as if you went to Goodwill. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that people will go live in Goodwills and you'd be shocked the amount of people that say, Hey, you just passed up this item that's worth X amount in your guys' live feed, right? So, it's really important to incorporate other people, not just for the relationships that we've been talking about, but also for their knowledge. Um, but yeah, to your point, for me, it was really important to like give value before I asked for anything. and um, And also networking with other creators. It's great to ask other creators to show your item or to promote you or to help you grow. But you also got to show to that creator that you're you know that you you feel that you know not only are you going to give value, but you're giving value to the creator itself. You know whatever whatever it may be. You know it, it could be just introducing yourself or getting to know that person. Put a little effort into whatever you do when it comes to social media, and people will want to promote you. Just like your hustle podcast, you guys didn't get, didn't have a following at all, and there's clear value there on both ends. And it's it was really important to me to have you guys live. So it's kind of the same concept. Okay.
1: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Appreciate no. that. No, that's so good. Again, hopefully if you're listening and you're trying to build, understand it, value will ultimately come back to you. You just got to keep consistently uh, putting it out there. So, yeah.
0: I mean, like Wade just now gave us the idea to do the uh, Peerless Podcast Roadshow, right? Oh, like, really? If it wasn't okay. for talking with I, you. I didn't you know, know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. I thought we were going to talk about it there. We,
0: we should like totally bleep that section <laughs> Of, of you telling like how to do that, go out and to, and, and that way nobody
1: takes it from us. We'll just, no, just kidding. Go. Yeah. So reselling best practices, if you were to, you know, put it down to three, what are three things, new experience, three things you believe have made things go smoothly? What would you say?
2: Wow. Um, reselling. So, um, first of all, don't use credit cards to buy merchandise if you can, right? Don't over leverage to buy, um, to buy merchandise. I think it's really important to keep your costs as low as possible. Um, of course there's those unique circumstances, but you are the only person that really truly knows you, right? So when you're doing something, whether it's reselling or whatever business you're in, you got to understand that it's very important that it's a fragile business. Any business, the first few years, first three or four years is very fragile. And you need to keep your costs as low as possible. So that's one of the tips I have, guys, is to really understand your finances. I think that's really important. Understand what you're paying for stuff. Keep really good bookkeeping at the very beginning. I like to use GoDaddy Mm -hmm. uh, because it automatically syncs with all my uh, cards. It syncs with my eBay, PayPal, and everything. Understand your finances. And um, also, I'm not experienced in taxes. So um, it, it was really important to me to interview not during the busy season, Um, a few people in your local area. And I I got a tax guy that I love and I can walk to as opposed to somebody, you know, I like to walk in their door and hand them a bunch of stuff. Right. So understand your finances is the biggest tip I can give for the first thing for reselling. Um, I would say stay organized. And what I mean by that is it's tough. Um, I think I see this is one of the biggest issues with reselling is when you're selling on eBay, you purchase all this stuff and then you take a best offer and you end up losing money. Right. Hmm. So understand as well as like, what are you paying for these items? And then, you know, what does it cost for your shipping? What is all the fees associated with it? And then also your time, you know, understand all that and uh, make sure that you're, you're, you're keeping good record of what yeah. you're spending on these items and your time and, and everything that goes into it. So that way you don't lose money. and You're not spinning your wheels. I see this a lot with people that, um, you know, they, they buy items and they take a best offer and it's lower than what they paid for the item and they're breaking even or they're losing money. So that's really important. And then um, the, the, the the third tip I can give is be open-minded, right? I think it's really important when you first start reselling is you resell stuff that you already know about because that learning curve is already there. It's not there. You, you already know about the product, right? So start with stuff in your house and sell that. We all have stuff that we can sell that we we don't use and you already know about the product. Um, but be open-minded. I was not really open-minded when I first started. I only wanted to sell one type of thing. Um, but then you quickly realize that you are at the mercy of what you can source. So it's very important to be open-minded so you can learn about different products that you know can expand your reselling knowledge and and what you can sell and ultimately what you're gonna make, right? So if I don't know about something, and that's the beautiful thing about social media. That's one reason why I love the Pure Hustle podcast, Instagram, and and other people is they sell and they buy different things. And then I can look at theirs and kind of understand, oh, ink is gold. You can sell ink. You can sell mm-hmm. you know, trains, whatever the case may be. So um, be open-minded to the fact that, yes, you do need to learn. And, um, and by doing so, um, you'll make more money.
1: Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I feel like there's so much we can continue to learn from you, Wade. Uh, you've been really helpful on our journey. You've been helpful to... Th- think about it. Thousands thousands tens of thousands tens of thousands and that's only going to grow you know as people find you 10 years from now 15 years from now and so on so that is awesome so do you have any last we're going to wrap things up here in a moment do you have any last kind of thoughts or ideas you want to throw out there just just leaving it open loaded question again loaded question we're trying to be Um, real right real relevant resellers
2: Yeah, no, seriously. I don't think anybody will ever admit that they have electronics stacked on there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that's why you guys love this podcast, everybody that's listening. Um, All I can say is this, like try to enjoy the process as much as you can, whether you're reselling, whether you're, you know, whatever you're doing, try to enjoy your process and what you're doing as much as you can, because through the bad and the good, it's still a journey to where you want to be. And it's easier said than done, but try to enjoy that. Um, I, for me, I don't know if I'll be doing reselling my whole life. I'll probably end up, you know, maybe five, six years down the road doing something different, but ultimately at the end of the day, you want to be happy in what you're doing. So for me, it's really important to have a goal, understand where you want to go. And if you're, if you're sitting here listening to this and you're, you're unhappy, um, you can fix it because I was that person and I fixed it. And now I'm doing something that I love that I can incorporate with my family and friends. You can too. And it doesn't necessarily need to be reselling. It could be anything. And the last thought I have is, remember, it's a journey. So it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Everybody says this, but it's truly true. If you want to get somewhere and be happy, understand that it's going to take time. You know, Whether that be a warehouse or you, know, you want to afford a vacation and go to Disneyland with your kids. It's a process. You've got to understand that like, it, it's going to take time to get there. But once you get there, it, it's incredible. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, I'm at a, a very a, amazing stage in my life where I can clearly do whatever the heck I want and still make money and provide for my family. So those that are listening, you have that capability too. Um, just try to keep as much open-minded as you possibly can and, um, and a good frame of mind too. So,
0: Yeah, that's super awesome. Man, thank you so much. Like you, you've been so helpful. Like we said to us, um, hopefully we get to do a, maybe a secret storage with you at some point. That'd be a ton of fun. Yeah, buy a California one and make <laughs> us make us go into one. That would be pretty fun. Yeah, but what could you get in California for two fifty? Like maybe like a, a, a like a Footlocker storage.
2: Uh, oh. you, it, it, here's the thing: is like you guys are you may. Uh, we may be exchanging zip codes because that would be fun. (laughs) Would you guys be down for that?
1: I'm down for it. It would be awesome.
2: Okay. So I, I, I think I could get you a unit, a decent unit for 250. It depends. (laughs) Um, the idea is to get one within 15 to 20 miles of you. So you don't have to, you know, drive forever to get it. But, Let's make it happen. Okay. You guys may be seeing these guys in a storage unit very soon. Yeah. Right.
1: That would be awesome. What a way to end the show. Yeah, Wade, thank you so much. You're an incredible person. If you have not been following Wade Ventures on YouTube, you should. Yes. On Instagram. Uh, other platforms that you're on? Are you on
2: Twitter? Uh, Instagram? Um, no, I, I am on Twitter, but it's okay. more for uh, uh, stock trading and, okay. and um, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, we but, haven't yeah, even yeah, talked
1: no. about that. I forgot. Like He's a yeah. man of many talents.
2: Yeah. Um, it's, uh, so yeah, Instagram, YouTube, and, um, I'm in some Facebook groups, but more importantly, Instagram and YouTube. And, and, uh, I real quick, I just want to say thank you so much guys for inviting me. I, uh, I'm really humbled and over 60 podcasts. That's incredible. Kudos to you two, And continue, um, I, I gotta say that when I had you guys on, I've done a lot of interviews and I was shocked when I, when the, when the, the light came on and the camera came on <laughs> They have a professional setup, guys. I mean, it was the first time ever. Um, it was incredible. So I, I appreciate you guys doing a first full circle and inviting me back.
1: Oh, awesome. So incredible, Wade. Well, thank you so much. And for everybody out there, make sure to continue being real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Peace.